and welcome to another episode of the Bipolar Disorder Moment. My name is Alan Cooper. Today will be the last reading from my yet-to-be-published book, Brain Betrayal, The Alan They Never Met. The summer has gone by very quickly, so we're on our last reading today. I hope you enjoyed this series, but this is going to be the last one. Okay, let's get started. So this is reading 12. We're reading from chapter 12 from a section called Stuck. And just a little background information after my first manic episode. When I got out of the hospital, I eventually ended up living with my grandmother. So this is a little bit of a description of the time I spent with her after I got out of the hospital. Nana's support for me was unconditional and solid. If others questioned the fact that I was not paying rent and not doing enough to maintain the household, Nana insisted that I was doing a good job and she needed me to stay. I was not able to keep the house clean because I was so exhausted. I did my best to give Nana her meals and medication and do the minimal amount of cleaning. Nana recognized this and her support was unwavering. She even asked my family to pay me, which I did not want, but it was sweet that it was her wish. Nana and I spent a lot of time in the living room together. I would lie on one couch and she would sleep on the other. One afternoon, Nana said, Allo, come sit with Nana, she said, and patted a spot on the couch next to where she was lying down. I sat down with my head hanging down and said, Nana, I'm so tired and sleepy. Nana reached up and held my cheek in her palm. I felt her gentle touch and looked down at her sympathetic eyes, and I could tell she knew I was suffering. She said two words that meant so much to me and started the road to getting my life back. She said, go sleep. I felt a tremendous weight lift from me. I decided to ignore everyone that was frustrated with me and make goals that made me feel more positive about myself. I began spending more time sitting in bed rather than lying down. Gradually, I would sit at the end of the bed and began taking a shower regularly. Every day, I did a little bit more than the previous day. I still had days when all I could do was lay in bed, but I did not let those days discourage me. I just tried to keep going forward. Eventually, I could brush my teeth with one hand. Eating was still unpleasant, but I had the energy to make more than just a bun with butter. I distinctly remember the day that I had the energy to prepare an entire sandwich. I was surprised that I did it and it seemed so easy. That's the end of that section. And this is going to be the last piece I'm reading from my book. This is from chapter 15. I've kind of finally gotten my life back to being at baseline and I'm able to work again. And my first job was as a tour guide in Banff for Japanese people. 
going on horseback riding tours. Okay, here we go. Chapter 15, Tour Guide. After I recovered from my episode, my first job was as an interpreter for Japanese people going on horseback riding trips through the forested foothills outside of Banff National Park with a company called JTB. My typical day would begin when I stepped out of my van in front of the Banff Springs Hotel located in the Canadian Rocky Mountains. The fresh mountain air would fill my lungs, refreshing my tired and aching body while I stretched. I would walk into the lobby of the hotel and yell, JTB no kiyakusama irashaimasu ka? Which means, are there any JTB customers present? The hotel staff were used to me coming into their lobby each morning, but I drew the attention of some of the patrons. After my announcement, I would scan the crowd looking for Japanese tourists discreetly pointing at me. I was never privy to their conversations, but I'm confident it was something like, did that chubby guy just say something in Japanese? I would approach them and ask if they were JTB customers, bow to them, and introduce myself as their interpreter for the day. We would drive to the town site and my passengers would sit up in their seats pointing at buildings, quaint stores, and other tourists. Occasionally, I would point out some elk grazing by the side of the road and pull over so they could take pictures. When we got on the highway, I was delighted to have the opportunity to converse in Japanese with my customers. I would ask them what part of Japan they were from and what made their city unique. They asked me where I learned to speak Japanese. This made my throat tighten and my heart race. I told them I lived in Sendai and turned the focus of the conversation back to them. I was anxious they would ask why I left Sendai and I was ashamed of the truth. When we arrived at the horseback riding ranch, I would invite my customers to explore the area, pet the donkey, or visit the gift shop. I entered the corral, and the horses came up to me with their heads down, and I would pet them on the nose. I often marveled at how these muscular giants remembered me, were so gentle, and let us ride on them. The wranglers would get my customers up on the horses, and I gave my daily lesson on how to ride a horse. It was cool learning words like reins and saddle in Japanese. We would set out toward the trail and the horses would form a single line behind one wrangler. The other wrangler and I were usually close to the end of the line. One day really stands out for me. The smell of the birch trees that lined each side of the trail, along with the gentle rhythmic strides of Topaz, the beautiful tan horse I was riding put me in a state of peace. We came to a narrow portion of the trail and a woman's horse positioned in the middle of the line stopped to eat grass. We could see that she was holding on to both the reins and the horn of the saddle, her body completely stiff and her eyes filled with panic. All the horses had stopped to wait for her horse to rejoin the line. The wrangler at the front of the line contorted his body back in my direction and yelled, Alan, go talk to her. 
I was excited. This is when Alan got to help the team and save the day. I kicked Topaz to move forward, but she did not budge. That was strange. She usually obeyed commands promptly. She won't move, I yelled to the wrangler. He closed his eyes and let out a big exhale and said, Just kick her harder, she'll be fine. I kicked her harder and got her to come up beside the rider that was having difficulty. I told her that all the horses in the ranch were gentle. I told her that horses have thick skin, so when you kick their sides, it does not hurt them. In the middle of my calming intervention, the horse behind hers bit me on the leg, tearing my pants and creating a long streak of blood down to my ankle. The woman screamed. Everyone became horrified of their horses. The horses, delighted to get an unexpected day off, started wandering around eating grass. The wrangler's eyes went wide, and he said, I can't believe he did that. We both started to laugh. Horses are not carnivorous. They have dull grinding teeth, so the bite created a small abrasion that spread the blood down my leg. The wrangler came up beside me and tried to repair my pants with duct tape. We were laughing so hard we nearly fell off our horses. When we got back to the ranch, I sat down for my meal of steak and beans with my customers, when one of the interpreters came up to me and said, Hey, you know that horse that bit you? Yeah, I said. They're thinking of putting him down, he said. What? No, it was my fault. You better go talk to them. I went to the owner of the ranch and told him what ha happened. He rolled his eyes and said, Oh, you upset the pecking order, he said. He explained to me that when horses form a line, the horse with the greatest status goes first, and the others follow in descending order. If you disobey the rules of the pecking order, the punishment was a nip on the butt. He said, lucky for your horse, Ben is older, so your horse was quick enough to get out of the way. You weren't as lucky. It was determined that the incident was my fault, so Ben was safe. Plus, he did not hold my rudeness against me, and I got to ride him and Topaz frequently for the rest of the summer. It was nice to spend the summer in Banff, Alberta, Canada, but when the tour season was over, I was left without a job, and I had to explore other options to move on with my life. So there it is, the last reading of the summer. I hope you enjoyed these readings. And again, I invite you to join my Facebook group, The Bipolar Disorder Moment. Let me know what you thought about the readings, if you thought they were too long, too short, boring, exciting. Anything that comes to you will be great. You can also learn a bit more about me and some of the things I've written on my blog, bipolarweekly.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Alan G. Cooper. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the reading. I look forward to our next podcast. This has been another Bipolar Disorder Moment.